In the year 2000, the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant body in North America, changed its doctrinal statement to say the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. This week in New Orleans, a new vote was taken. Southern Baptists, with 47,000 churches this week at its annual convention held in New Orleans, voted overwhelmingly to enforce the doctrinal statement. Two churches, a small congregation in Kentucky and the megachurch Saddleback in Southern California, were expelled from the convention for ordaining a woman as pastor. It's an icy issue affecting other more conservative Christian denominations. Some biblical conservatives, like the Assemblies of God, have always allowed female pastors. Southern Baptists have also faced tension over how to handle sexual abuse. Whatever we think, wherever you stand on Scripture and the role of women, it's important to not forget that God's kingdom is founded on one sovereign, Jesus Christ is the head. First, foremost, thy kingdom come. Welcome to Haven Today here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus as we continue in a series called Becoming Jesus People. We've been looking at people who came to Christ and were forever changed, but not everyone ended up saved. Well, today we're going to look at a famous example, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. Stay with me as we look at this fascinating conversation with our Lord. But before we turn to God's Word, I want you to hear another fascinating conversation we had with a woman who met Jesus in high school. She had heard about Jesus, but she didn't fully know Jesus until she met him at a Calvary Chapel meeting. We were, yes, a bunch of high school kids from the Baptist Church in Riverside, and we just piled in a car and all drove down there to see what was happening down there in Costa Mesa. Of course, it was just packed out people all over the place. And we got inside way in the back and Lonnie Frisbee came um, up the front and was teaching. So I just remember at the end, he said, uh, anybody who is here who wants all that the Lord has to give to them, uh, come on down and lay hands on you and pray for you. Stay with me. We're going to hear the rest of her story about how Jesus saved and changed her life. It's a wonderful story about the Lord's faithfulness and power to save. After the program, I'd like to send you the brand new feature film called Jesus Revolution. It's about the Jesus movement that started in the late 60s and early 70s. The film tells the stories, true stories, of a pastor and his heart to reach a lost generation. This film would be a great movie to watch with family and friends this summer especially those you'd like to share more with about the gospel. You can watch excerpts from the Jesus Revolution DVD and make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's open the program with music from the very first Maranatha Praise album.
You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris in a program called Becoming Jesus People. And from the very first Maranatha Praise album, coming out of the Jesus movement, that was Father, I Adore You. We've been hearing from so many people who met Christ because of the Jesus Revolution, the Jesus People movement. People like Robin Thompson. She met Jesus at a Calvary Chapel meeting in Costa Mesa, California, and she has walked with Christ ever since. She knew there was something marvelous happening through Chuck Smith, the pastor, and the Jesus movement, and we pray right along with her that the Lord would move like that again. Let's hear her story. We were, yes, a bunch of high school kids from the Baptist Church in Riverside, and we just piled in a car and all drove down there to see what was happening down there in Costa Mesa. Of course, it was just packed out people all over the place. And we got inside way in the back and Lonnie Frisbee came um, up the front and was teaching. So I just remember at the end, he said, uh, anybody who is here who wants all that the Lord has to give to them, uh, come on down and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. So we all said, yeah, I want everything the Lord has for me. So we went down and got prayed for by Lonnie Frisbee. That was 1971. Oh my goodness, it was just so, so much love and so much um, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Everybody would stand arm in arm and sway back and forth to, and sing all these songs. Everybody would be singing um, all these choruses like Pastor Chuck used to like to call them the music of that time the bands they had a tremendous part of what was going on at bringing people to hear the gospel and everybody that came to the concerts were just having a great time you know really praise the lord and really sing along and just really enjoy enjoy the music and it was also joyous in the first place and then chuck getting to stand up and share the word and teach all of us He was just, he had this big smile, and he was just so full of of love, you could tell, and compassion, and he was very cool. And he would teach the Bible, you know, so different from what we kind of grew up with. uh, We got the the gospel at, at the Baptist church or whatever, but Chuck would teach us so much more about the Bible that we didn't know. You know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, to just increase our uh, understanding. You know, we didn't call it a Jesus movement or Jesus revolution or anything like that until, you know, that name got attached kind of later. We didn't know what was going on. We just knew it was really amazing. And then we started to hear things happening, you know, all over the world, the Lord moving in miraculous ways and So we knew it was all over the world, not just here in Southern California, but it was pretty special to be right in the middle of it um, uh, at the beginning. The 60s were so, whatever word you want to use, turbulent. (laughs) It was really kind of an awful time to grow up with the Vietnam War. And, you know, nowadays we're going through a lot of the same kind of things. And we, we just pray that the Lord will move in the same way today. I'm so thankful that the Lord just allowed me to be such a part of it, of such an amazing time. And uh, seeing many people come to know the Lord, that was what I'm so thankful for. 
That was Robin Thompson, a Jesus person, sharing how she met Christ in high school at a Calvary Chapel meeting and how the Lord has blessed her since. Well, I'm thankful she took the time to share how Christ changed her life. Stories like this are so powerful because they remind us the Lord has always been mighty to save. You're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. Many people came to Jesus and walked away changed forever, saved from their sin and forgiven, healed of their ailments, and awakened to the Lord's love in Christ. In the Gospels, coming to Jesus is so often a mark of spiritual awareness and growing faith. But that's not how it was for everyone who came to Jesus. Jesus knew that would happen, and he told a parable about it in Matthew 13. It's called the parable of the sower. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Out of the four kinds of soil that we just read about, only one bears fruit. Only one is called good soil. The other three reject the seed or are choked out eventually. Jesus explained this parable after he told it. The seed is the word. The soil are its people. Only one kind of soil, the good soil, receives the word and bears fruit. Jesus knew that some people would come to him and not receive him or his word. And we know this too. But sometimes we're still surprised when it happens. We are so convinced of Jesus that we forget some people have not given him a second thought or have heard the gospel and still don't believe. But Jesus told that parable not just to let his followers know that not everyone will believe, but he told it as a kind of wake-up call to those who listen to him. What kind of soil are you? Have you received the word? And have you produced fruit? That's the question Jesus' parable leaves us with. We all want to be like the fourth soil, though. People who receive the word with great joy and go on to bear glorious fruit that brings honor to our Lord, glory to the Father. Some of us have been beaten down by the sun, trials and sufferings that have nearly choked out our faith. And some of us have let other desires and concerns crowd out our faith like that young man who once came to Jesus. We call him the rich young ruler because Scripture doesn't give him a name. And we learn about him in Matthew 19. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And then this remarkable answer from Jesus. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Well, this young man was clearly interested in faith and salvation. He wanted to know how to be saved. Sometimes we read him as an arrogant young man, proud of himself. But I think this story is about a man who was insecure, who wanted desperately to be accepted and ultimately found that price too high. He came to Jesus with the question. Jesus didn't come to him. This young man who was rich came to Christ with the most important question that any of us can ever ask, how can I be saved? But he didn't ask it that way, did he? Instead, he said, what good thing must I do to be saved? And that changes things. He thought he had to earn his salvation. He thought he had to do something to deserve the Lord's love. He was confident, maybe because he had so much money, that he could do whatever it took. Well, is that you today? desperate for acceptance by the Lord, yet mistakenly thinking that he expects you to earn your keep. Well, sadly, we all think this way from time to time. What good thing must I do? And the answer is, there isn't anything that you can do to earn his love. Why? It's not just because the Lord's love is beyond value. We could never make or do enough to equal it. It's actually because the Lord already loves us before we do anything good. If we were to read Mark's account of this same story, he includes a little detail that Matthew did not. When this young man came to Jesus and asked his question, even when he said he had followed the commandments from his youth, Jesus looked at him, and Mark tells us in his account, Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus loved him before he could do his one good thing. He loves us before we can do our one good thing. We don't have to go searching for the Lord's love. It's already there for us. He already loves us. And in Christ, he's calling us to a relationship and a family that will never fail. And this is what Jesus was trying to show that young man and what he was trying to show us today. To enter into his love and acceptance. We just need to devote ourselves to him. Jesus told him, go sell all you have, not because money is bad in and of itself, but because this young man was putting all his hope and all his confidence in the power and ability that his money, he thought, gave him. Jesus calls us to lay down the things we put our hope and confidence in as well. He came to Jesus hoping to receive confidence that he was on the right track, but he left in sorrow. 
not everyone who comes to Jesus is going to walk away saved. The rich young ruler walked away and was sad. Why was that? Matthew tells us, because he had great wealth. It takes courage and faith to leave behind a lifetime of security for the sake of Jesus. But that's what he was calling him to do. Because Jesus knew that eternal security is far more valuable. Now that's a wake-up call for all of us today. What are we putting our faith and hope in? Are we trusting in our wealth? Or maybe our abilities? Or maybe our connections to get us into heaven? Do we think the Lord is going to save us? just because we've gone to church our whole life? Or are we willing to let go of the things that we trust in and to turn to Jesus? That's the question the story forces us to confront. It is an uncomfortable story, especially for us living in the West, some of the richest nations of the world, and we need to hear Jesus' words, how difficult it is for a rich person to be saved. Riches can corrupt us, and turn us away from the Lord. Riches can give us a bold but false confidence, but riches are here today, and they can be gone tomorrow, in an instant. We need something more steadfast. We need Christ and his kingdom, where we have an eternal wealth that will never rust nor disappear. We can walk away from Jesus sad and sorrowful, because we aren't willing to let go yet. Or we can let go and cast ourselves upon Christ for the salvation we need. The rich young ruler made his choice. Christ is still today, though, standing with open arms, extending the invitation to each and every one of us. There is still time. Today, don't delay to become a Jesus person.
Another classic song from the early days of the Jesus movement. That was Maranatha, Praise to, and Open Our Eyes here on this Haven Today. Well, summer is on the way. It may feel like summer where you live, but it's not officially summer yet. One more week. And if you're like one of my colleagues, you'll be having some movie nights over these long months that sometimes get warm and sticky. Well, that's why I want to give you a great resource that you can enjoy with them called The Jesus Revolution. We have it on DVD. This new film will not only help you learn more about the incredible Jesus People movement, but it's a great way to talk about the gospel with your loved ones. And I pray it will inspire both young and old alike to share their faith with those who need to know more about Christ. So I want to invite you to come to our website right now as the weekend is getting started and watch some excerpts from the Jesus Revolution DVD. And when you're there, you can make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And when you're there, you can listen to the interview I did with Greg Laurie, whose story is featured in Jesus Revolution. It's on our Great Stories podcast this week. Or you can call us right now and make your generous gift and get the DVD when you call 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. And remember, we still have the Chronicles of Narnia Radio Theater with all of C.S. Lewis's seven classic stories on audio with an original soundtrack, talented voice actors, and stories full of Christian message. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you have a great weekend? And won't you come back again and join me Monday when again together we're going to be sharing the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. In the month of June, it seems like many individuals are talking about love. You might see billboards or commercials with statements like love wins or love is love, but is that what the world celebrates as love, really love? The scriptures speak plenty about love. We know that love is not selfish. It doesn't delight in evil. But in 1 John 3.16, we're also given a great truth about love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. As many in our culture are talking about love, let us share with others the good news of the one who loved us perfectly, Jesus Christ. In the end, his love wins because it ends in resurrection life. You'll see Christ more clearly through time in God's word. Visit GetAnchor.com.